This week on Crossing Crown Radio, free speech, what is it and why is it free? With Elon Musk's $44 billion purchase of Twitter, the question of what constitutes free speech is now a national conversation, or, well, at the very least, it's a national yelling match. But how does scripture view the relationship between freedom and speech? Also, our three headlines include the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas stated recently that DHS is creating a disinformation governance board to combat misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterms. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? And why must we continue to implement the very things 1984 warns about? Plus, a new study from Great Britain discovered microplastic particles in the lungs of 11 out of 13 patients who were undergoing surgery. Are we ready to have a frank discussion about the dangers of prolonged mask wearing yet? And a leaker at the U.S. Supreme Court has informed us that SCOTUS has the majority vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Pro-lifers are exuberant. Leftists like Senator Elizabeth Warren are losing their minds. We'll discuss. As always, I'm your host, Jason Garwood. Thank you for watching and listening to Crossing Crown Radio. Well, he did it. At least I think so anyway. The internet is still buzzing about Elon Musk's $44 billion purchase of Twitter. Perhaps buzzing isn't the best description. Shouts of elation and adulation are coming from those on the right, while squeals of terror and frustration are coming from those on the left. There are a few of us here in the middle who are trying to remain cool, calm, and collected, waiting to see how this goes down before losing our minds and burning everything in sight, just like a mostly peaceful BLM protest, you know? While some of us think this is a good idea because big tech censorship against Christian ideas like gender binaries and transcendent truth has been a real problem, others lack the introspection necessary to see clearly. For example, there's this guy, the winner of the award for the world's most unself-aware person of the year. Let's watch. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else, and the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Did you catch that? He's concerned with Musk's Twitter acquisition and takeover because, goodness, a sitting president could possibly get banned from the platform, and we can't have that sort of thing happen to Joe Biden. He's also concerned about shadow banning, turning down the reach of people you don't like, etc. He said, quote, the rest of us might not even find out about it until after the election. Hmm. You don't say. It's not like Republicans were getting kicked off and censored from the platform. It's not like President Donald Trump's account was suspended or anything. Talk about double standards. The leftist meltdown is what happens when one perceives that they are losing power. The recent Roe v. Wade threat of being overturned is a prime example, as we'll get to later. The right can be just as guilty at this, and is oftentimes so, though insurrection isn't 
the right word. But the question remains, what is free speech anyway? Definitions abound. Does it mean that I can say whatever I want, whenever I want? What about violence and death threats? Does free speech even carry over into the private business sector anyway? What is the relationship between the First Amendment and business? The First Amendment protects free speech, but what kind? Is it a blanketed protection, no matter what? The problem with trying to approach this from a neutral position, which is what Musk has stated he intends to do, is that we all know, at least those of us who take seriously Christian theology and philosophy, that there is no such thing as neutrality. There is no safe space on this earth where God is not present and aware of what is taking place. There's no middle ground of neutrality where men can hide from the Creator and carve out their own little nirvana haven. Speech, like everything, either glorifies God or it does not. You cannot serve two masters. Neutrality, first posited in the garden when Adam and Eve surmised what Van Til calls an epistemological pluralism, is actually a negation of God. In other words, there is no neutrality, and when we try to pretend that there is, we are negating God and his word. Consider God's law. The third commandment forbids a certain free speech. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. To take the name of God is to carry his name forward in your life, especially on your lips. The name of God is a reference to his covenantal character. When we speak lies about God, we are taking his name in vain. Vain, in Hebrew, carries the connotation of emptiness, destruction, and desolation. Vain can also mean profane. My own translation and interpretive efforts would go like this. You shall not lift up and carry forth the name, character, and purposes of God in a profane way. Leviticus 19.12 says something similar. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. To profane God's name is to attempt to curse God and destroy God's law word, what we call his covenantal order. It's not just using bad words in speech. Profanity is a religious word. Profanity is essentially going against God in everything, intentionally disobeying him at every turn. Blasphemy is a slightly different term in that it vilifies and taunts God. All of these things are related to the third commandment. The relationship of free speech to the third commandment is the correlation of what words mean when we say them. Ephesians 4.29 guards against any and all speech by saying, quote, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The Apostle Paul clearly makes a connection with the third word, the third commandment. The Bible wants us to see our speech as a reflection of the sovereignty and authority of God. The third commandment forbids using God's name and character as though it has no real power, which is to say we are not calling for no speech and we're not calling for any speech. We're calling not for empty and profane speech, but weighty speech, which is measured by grace and mercy towards those who will hear. This is not to say that there isn't a time and place for hard words. Jesus surely had plenty of hard words to say for the religious leaders of his day. 
But the third word tells us that God is present and active, always watching and listening. So we ought to take great care in what we say, and especially what we type on the internet. The Bible also gives us other warnings about speech. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who holds back his lips has insight. Proverbs 10, 19. Or Ecclesiastes 5, verse 3. The voice of a fool comes through abundant words. How about Proverbs 8.13, which says, The fear of Yahweh is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and, and the evil way, and the mouth of perverted words I hate. Our relationship with words is as tangible as our relationship with our organs. Jesus told us in Mark 7 that it isn't what goes into a man that defiles him, but rather what comes out of his heart. The heart is the locus of all human action. The speech we choose to give on a day-to-day -day basis is a giant mirror that reflects where the heart is. Consider Proverbs 12, verse 25, which reads, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Or Proverbs 13, verse 5, A righteous man hates a lying word, but a wicked man acts odiously and is, humili and is humiliated. Words cannot be detached from our person, our image-bearing. This lingual aspect of creation is put in place by God in order to be stewarded. Certainly, some of the deconstructionist crowd could learn a thing or two about God's intentions for words, especially as revealed in the Word. But the point remains, when your mouth opens and your tongue flaps, the heart is on display for everyone to see. There is, again, no neutrality in our speech. Proverbs 15.26 explains, Evil thoughts are an abomination to Yahweh, but pleasant words are pure. Freedom of speech is not a license to destroy people. It's not a license to defame their character, either. When it comes to the internet, I admit that I struggle to enjoy getting neck deep in conversations, especially the inexorable Facebook drama that happens when dealing with various issues. I personally avoid getting into deep discussions and would rather put out content like this, or even talk over a cup of coffee. People will disagree, which is fine, but you usually won't catch me wasting hours upon hours arguing back and forth in a thread. It's just not my style. But when we're considering how to interact and what to say, our speech should be grounded in three things. One, truth. Two, courage. And three, humility. Christians should be at the forefront of the free speech movement, not because we want a lamb-based people on Twitter, but because we want the dialogue. We want to contend for the faith in the town square. We encourage the discussion to one degree or another. Saying things like men can only be mad and that women are the only ones who can get pregnant are both true statements. And in today's culture, it takes courage to be willing to defend this in the public eye. But it also requires the humility to know the difference between getting persecuted for righteousness' sake and getting persecuted for being a complete idiot. Our words can be deep waters comparable to a foundation of wisdom and a flowing brook, Proverbs 18.4, or they can be like a scorching fire, Proverbs 16.27. Some ideas do need to be burned down, but there's a difference between burning down the idea and burning down the individual. While I don't subscribe to the false dichotomy of love the sin or hate the sin, it has problems, I do believe there is a fine line in there somewhere, and it requires wisdom and maturation to know the difference. To be frank, America isn't ready 
for free speech, as I've outlined here. We as a nation have gone so far from the Lord, and our maturity, overall, I say, just isn't where it needs to be. The internet has become a place to just let your hair down, hide behind a keyboard, and throw hands at everybody. Furthermore, and by comparison, our elected, or chosen, politicians are, our, are a reflection of our maturation, and frankly, it isn't good either. The same is true for how this whole Musk Twitter debacle has gone down. People literally threatening to kill him on the platform because they don't want free speech. The whole misinformation campaign of the past two years, with more to come as we'll get to in our next segment, is evidence that we're just not quite responsible enough. Rush Dooney rightly said, quote, We can seek to dissolve or break God's name to profane his justice and order, either by a dishonest and false use of his name and order, or by separating that order from God and assuming it to be man's creation. He goes on, We despise God's name when we separate him from his creation and ascribe its order and purpose in terms of something else, end quote. To the Republicans, I say this, the First Amendment is not your highest authority, so stop acting like it is. You, like the leftists who want everyone to be gay, it seems, have separated this aspect of creation and ascribed, in Rush Juni's words, its order and purpose in terms of something else. Free speech does not mean that we are absolutely free from any sort of accountability. We're not that free because we're breathing God's air. It does not mean that we are ungoverned either. We are to be self-governed under God via His Holy Spirit. And I realize the unregenerate does not get it, which is why they too like to cling onto their power no matter the cost, even if it means lying about what happened on January 6th. But such were some of you. I get it. We're in a war, and that war requires the pen, or keyboard as it were, and we ought to tear down speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. So Christians should be salt and light, the salt and light we are called to be on places like Facebook or Twitter or Gab. We should utilize those platforms, pending our maturity and wisdom, in order to press the crown rights of King Jesus into every area of life. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. What you say must align with what you believe, and what you believe must align with the law word of God. Our speech is not unhinged and impervious to scrutiny. It is to be governed and tempered, and it must set an example of such things to a world that is trying to dislodge language from the grip of the self-contained God. Which is to say, I believe in free speech, if by free speech we mean the ability to winsomely and wisely engage and communicate in this world unencumbered by false governors and ideas, and utilize the principles of Scripture in order to advance the name and order of Christ and His kingdom. Christian free speech is way different than the humanist version of free speech. If you haven't seen this information yet, I recommend that you track it down. James O'Keefe's Project Veritas recently released leak, leaked audio, <laughs> noticing a pattern here, leaked audio of an internal meeting at Twitter regarding Musk's takeover of the company. CEO Parag Agrawal said this, quote, Twitter is at, at its best when all diverse voices in the world feel safe and feel encouraged to engage in the public conversation. 
That belief is what drives us to have a diverse workforce internally on all dimensions, to have multiple perspectives and points of view represented internally so that we can empathize with all of our customers all around the world and serve them in the best possible way. That is a core belief of mine. That doesn't change, end quote. He wants diversity, but only the kind that can be managed, evidenced by censoring and booting people who believe that men are men and so forth. The discussion was about free speech and what might be changing with Twitter, especially with the health and misinformation issues. They want safety and the removal of spammers and so on. Now, my take from the meeting, Elon's version of free speech conflicts with a working paradigm of many of Twitter's head honchos, which tells me that they don't have anything to ground their free speech in. Rushduni was right. Listen, I posted this to Gab over a year ago, and I'll conclude with this. We insist on free speech, not so that we might say whatever we want, whenever we want, but because we ought to speak that which God requires. We live not by lies, Exodus 20:16, but instead by truth, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. Since God has spoken through his Son, Hebrews 1, verse 2, we therefore must speak about such things, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Speaking freely and uninhibitedly, the law and gospel of God is basic to Christianity, Matthew 28, 18-20, and Mark 16, verse 15, which is why it is fundamental to the health of Western civilization. If you don't like what someone says, say something better, fight evil with good, or block and ignore them. The choice is yours depending on the platform. Either our speech will be governed by God, or it will be subjectively thrown into the trash can, and hypocrisy will be the invariable result. We need the wisdom and maturity necessary to speak well. And now for our three headlines. All right, first up, this is from Fox News. Mayorkas testifies DHS is creating disinformation governance board. And this, of course, is uh, interesting coming two days after Tesla CEO Elon Musk secured a $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, whose picture you can see here, testified Wednesday that the Department of Homeland Security is creating a disinformation governance board to combat misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterms. It's interesting that they're going to uh, line this up with the election process. What could possibly go wrong? Mayorkas appeared before the House Appropriations Subcommittee to discuss the fiscal 2023 budget for DHS. So Mayorkas, he's interested in getting this Disinformation Governance Board, also known as Ministry of Truth, for those of us familiar with 1984. And he says that the goal is to bring the resources of DHS together to address this threat. Sounds like an invasion of some alien invasion of, of, of sorts. I mean, to, have, to be invaded in this way is just, it's a massive threat. Uh, he, uh, Jankovitz, who's going to be, Nina Jankovitz, who's going to be in charge of it, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's, she's eight months, eight months pregnant, apparently, and she's a, uh, this is from Daily Mail. She's a Russia expert who called Hunter's laptop a Trump campaign product, which <laughs> is interesting given the fact that that's not true. So now we have a liar in charge of the misinformation board. It's great. And uh, she's upset about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, which is probably to be expected. So this disinformation uh, governance board is going to tackle 
what they view as mis misinformation. And we all know that the misinformation they're talking about is whatever doesn't agree with the narrative they're trying to put forth. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious that this is what it's going to be. Uh, you could not post anything, hardly anything, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook for the past two years that suggested anything about ivermectin, that suggested anything about the dangers of remdesivir. Okay, all of these things you were just not allowed to talk about. It took two years. Finally, they got these stupid little tags off the bottom of your post. I think sometimes they still show up on Facebook. But you could not suggest that there are other protocols to heal people of COVID-19. You, you could not suggest the legitimacy of Hunter Biden's laptop and what was contained therein. Okay, the, when the people who are in charge of misinformation are the people who have been burying the truth, this is an absolute recipe for disaster. And the fact that it's coming under DHS is even more disturbing. Is the Department of Homeland Security going to start tracking down IP addresses and arresting people for suggesting that there are other, you know, protocols like intravenous zinc and vitamin C that can help you get better? What is it going to what is it going to be the, the next time? I mean, Bill Gates has already said there's going to be a next time. So what, what's going to happen then? This is uh, incredibly disappointing. And I should say, theologically speaking, this is another attempt at um, omniscience, <laughs> uh, omnipresence, the state trying to mimic the sovereignty of God by trying to get itself involved in every single thing that it could possibly get involved in, in including labeling truth as lie. So, woe to those, Isaiah says, who called good evil and evil good. We, we are... This is just the natural outworking of a status idolatry that continues to plague to plague us. And it's our own doing. It's our own doing because we haven't repented. So the ministry of truth is coming. The ministry of truth is coming, and uh, they are going to censor people even more, I assume. The Musk-Twitter relationship to this could be interesting. I, I'm pretty sure Musk is going to have to go before the Senate. Uh, repeatedly, <laughs> much like Zuckerberg has had to do. Um, but the, this, I guess what's frustrating, too, for me is that in their attempts to ascend to a godlike state, uh, they just, there's no repentance. There's no repentance for trying to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story, censoring the New York Post who broke the story on Twitter. Uh, man, and, and the fact that they couch this inside of Doing this ahead of the midterm elections tells us quite a bit of everything we need to know uh, about shadow banning, about muting people, about turning off their Twitter account uh, or Facebook account, any of those things. It's just maddening. It's maddening. That's what it is. All right, next up, there's a Great Britain mask study that found plastics, the plastic residue from masks present in patient patients' lungs. This is from Western, Stan Western Standard Online. It says, the study from Great Britain discovered microplastic particles in the lung tissue of 11 out of 13 patients undergoing surgery. So nothing disturbing to see. The picture you can see here are some of the plastics that they found. These microplastic fibers were found deep in the lower lungs of living human beings and almost every person sampled in this recent UK study. The study from Great Britain discovered microplastic particles present in many COVID-19 masks in the lung tissue, as we said, 11 out of 13 patients. That's a, a lot. Um, 
these plastic substances, polypropylene being one of them, uh, these are fragments and fibers. They're discovered by scientists at Hull York Medical School in the UK. So two millimeter long things in these patients, just mind blowing. The article goes on, the plastic dusk of, and microscopic debris comprises the same plastics used to manufacture the ubiquitous surgical masks worn by hundreds of millions of people around the world as mandated by governments in an attempt to halt the spread of COVID-19. So again, are we ready for a discussion of why masks don't work? Look at any chart and you can see when the masks were implement, implemented, it did not stop anything. When the vaccines were implemented, it, it did not stop anything. And Mind you that what we're coming up to next in the next headline with this Roe v. Wade leak, don't forget that this leak comes at the same time Pfizer dumped a whole bunch more documentation and the vaccines did not work. They did not work at all. They do not work at all. They harm people. But this is, again, you can't talk about this stuff. You're not allowed to suggest that. Even when Pfizer drops this information into the public eye, Everyone's distracted by the Supreme Court right now, which is still an important issue, but let's not, let's be honest here. The article says that uh, disposable blue masks are to be found littering almost every city street in the developed world after two years of COVID-19 mandates ruled that masks should be worn in most indoor environments much of the time. Healthy adults, children, the immunocompromised, and the elderly have all been subject to mask mandates. Uh, back in March, this was just a couple of months ago, microplastics were also discovered in human blood. So these plastics can travel throughout the human body, probably even embedded in places like your liver, possibly even your large and small intestine. Who, who knows? Um, they are damaging to human cells. The, the danger, I'm not going to go read the whole thing. It's, it's rather lengthy. But the danger is, is obvious. All right. When you try to cover your mouth, which is your main, your body's one of your foremost detoxing protocols for the human body is to detox, to get rid of the, the, the carbon dioxide that has formulated. You're breathing in oxygen, breathing out. Th this is how the body works. And here we have further evidence that the masks don't work. We've had, we have had Studies before this all went down that proved that they don't stop any sort of viral transmission or anything like that. But that was misinformation, and you weren't allowed to say that. But this is sad because probably millions of people, 11 out of 13, if you wore masks for a long, 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 long time, you have a high probability of this garbage being in your body, and it's there. And I feel bad, but... You didn't have to wear the mask either. Uh, you just don't, you don't have to. So there's that option. And you don't also have to feel like you're spreading a disease you don't have. If you're sick, stay home, take some MMS, chlorine dioxide, get on some vitamin zinc, quercetin, all that stuff. Take care of your body, take care of your health. But you don't have to wear the mask. And I'm still seeing people out and about doing it. Shocking. Shocking stuff. All right, next up. We have a leak, another leak from the U.S. Supreme Court. Someone leaked that, then they leaked this to Politico, which is what I have in front of me here. The Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights. Draft opinion shows. We have a draft of an opinion that's going forth. And Alito said that we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. 
and uh, apparently they have a five to four vote. Uh, the Supreme Court has voted. It hasn't obviously happened yet. That'll come in June, hopefully sooner the better next month. But this is an initial draft majority opinion. It was written by Justice Samuel Alito. And it is confirmed from Roberts that it is a legitimate thing. And they are trying to figure out who leaked it, possibly press charges. Um, Politico writes, the draft opinion is a full-throated, <laughs> unflinching repudiation. That's a... Josh Gerstein wrote this and Alexander Ward. Kudos to your adjectival uh, writing here. Unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that largely maintained the right. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, Alito writes. Yes and amen. It was. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, he writes in the document, labeled as the opinion of the court. It is time to heed the Constitution and return to the issue of abortion to the people's elective representatives. So the whole idea here is, one, we all know that courts don't make, make laws. They issue opinions on that, and, and, and those opinions are based on the constitutionality or lack thereof of some sort of uh, ruling or some sort of law. And they're simply saying, we're going to put this back to the, at the state level, which is an interesting way to put it, because putting it back at the state level means that all of these pro-life legislation, heartbeat bills and so on and so forth, means that those states are going to have uh, a problem on their hands, unless they have these trigger laws where if Roe v. Wade's overturned, then there's like a de facto uh, abolition of abortion, which, you know, I don't remember. There's a few states that have that. I don't remember... Uh, which ones exactly. Um, I briefly looked over an article about that. But the point is, abortion would be then legal in certain states. Um, so we need to be at the state level, of course, demanding that abortion be abolished. And uh, coming up on June 11th, by the way, as a side note, the uh, Abolish Abortion Virginia conference is happening here in Northern Virginia. So you can go to abolishabortionvirginia.com. You can find the conference info there. It's there. But it's interesting that this is coming ahead of our conference because we already had the date picked out and here we are now. Um, you know, draft uh, opinions can change. Um, there's vote trading that goes on. But, you know, the courts, this is from Politico, the court's holding will not be final until it is published, likely in the next two months. So this has created a massive problem, for one. Alito's life, his family's life, I'm sure is in danger. I'm going to show you a series of videos here in a second to give you an idea of what's going on. But this is obviously, I mean, that night people were already, I know some people who were already there um, preaching and, and, and talking to people who were outside who were losing their minds over this. But this isn't really going to be, and look, if it passes and it gets overturned, hallelujah, praise God. That doesn't really change anything in the sense that we still need to ignore Roe, <laughs> even if it doesn't pass. We need to ignore Roe at the state level and seek justice for our preborn neighbors, bottom line. And Republicans have an opportunity. They've had an opportunity to do, to do this. They've done it several times in Texas. These bills get squashed, total abolition, and they get squashed. Uh, and so they're, they're kind of, you know, stuck with their pro-life incremental nonsense laws. But if this passes... I'm going to be interested to see what happens, uh, especially in Florida with DeSantis and, and his uh, 
he's been on the warpath with a lot of these uh, crazy leftist things. But for the Christian church, we need to be praying hardcore, we need to be preaching the gospel, and we need to uh, see to it that our state representatives and so on are held, we hold their feet to the fire, uh, metaphorically, unlike the left who wants to have literal fire involved. So um, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett have voted uh, with Alito, so five to four majority opinion. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But... I have to say, though, the response has been, <laughs> it's been, it's been crazy. Leftists are, well, upset. Watch this video. This abortion law goes beyond a woman's issue and it goes beyond anything you can ever imagine. The societal implications of this are going to be insane. The amount of uh, just pain and damage this is going to cause and the full ability to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body. And we're going back into a handmaid's tale society here. All of you women who sat home, all of you young girls, Adults over 18 years old who did not go out and vote, who did not think that you need to protect your womb, we're now back in the dark ages. Um, brace yourselves, ladies. I'm with you. My heart is just broken. I don't understand why this country hates women so much. I just don't understand it. We'll get through this. We'll figure out a way. No more joking about it being a handmaid's tale. It will be. Can't tell a woman what to do with her body, she says. The one she or he or... I'm not sure her pronouns, she didn't say, but is anyone allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies? Anyone. Can men just do whatever they want with their bodies? No. I mean, nobody has unlimited free reign to do whatever they want with their bodies. So that's just a ridiculous argument. Um, the one lady, broken hearts, women are hated, the shame of it all. This is uh, mind-numbing to listen to, actually. <laughs> you have a broken heart. Well, you know, sin does that. But there's also been responses from other people. Senator Elizabeth Warren lost her mind as well. Check out this video. Angling for, for decades now, and we are going to fight children they have. Well, 
here because I am angry and I am here because the United States Congress can change all of this. Yes, yes. Yes. She says she's angry and that, quote, we're going to fight back, which sounds like insurrection language, frankly. It's amazing that she wasn't this upset with vaccine mandates that were issued from the White House, her Democratic-controlled White House, I should say. So she's mad. The same old fallacious reasonings are put forth. You know, poor women working several jobs can't get access to health care and blah, blah, blah. This need to situate abortion into the realm of health care is truly shocking. Uh, man, it, it's if you're a pregnant woman and you're having a trouble and possibly a miscarriage, uh, man, you, you know you can go to the hospital and we'll, we'll, they'll get you squared away. Uh, but this idea that you can be a poor young woman and just waltz into a place and you know be 10 weeks along or 20 weeks along and go ahead and poison and or dismember your child and call that health care, be honest. I mean, I know dishonesty is part of the whole charade anyway, but come on. You're, it, this this argumentation is so sophomoric. It's nonsense. Warren said that they're not going back, which apparently means back to the days when abortion was banned. I'm not sure, but she was riled up. And there was some other footage of her walking to the steps to where she was going to speak. And uh, she was upset and angry. Well, you could afford to be upset and angry. Uh, I don't... Th these type of people with this infanticidal rage that flows out of their mouths, none of them should be in charge of anything. They can be in charge of being quiet. This psychopathic, sociopathic garbage in defense of abortion, I mean, notice the bloodthirstiness. It is, it is absolutely despicable and cruel. And speaking of which, there are progressives who want to burn things and people. Check out this video. If they actually do this, yeah, uh, that would be the time where rioting would be okay. I got the pitchforks, you get the gas and the torches. Uh, what? Do that. Because, uh uh, you're not forcing. No, no. There's only one solution to this to all of this, because it's all interconnected. Starts with V, ends with E, and it's not vote. Hey TikTok, do you ever wake up in the morning and think you just wanna burn it all to the ground? And what I mean by burning it all to the ground is those old white men and the women who support them who wanna tell me what to do with my body.
if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, there will be mayhem in these streets. You think the global protests around George Floyd were big? You just f***ing wait when you launch an attack on 50% of the American population. If you supported the use of violence to defend abortion clinics when the state recognized abortion rights and the cops were doing it, you should have zero problems with people outside the law now doing the exact same thing. Mayhem in the streets. Burn old white men. I don't know if that includes their president as well, but wow, talk about violence. I mean, it sounds like insurrection language and violence, although CNN would call it mostly peaceful. Uh, again, derange, deranged people. This is the, the fruit of an unregenerate heart. It's the fruit of Christian retreatism. These people need the gospel preached to them, and they need it preached to them quickly. <laughs> This is the mindset, though, of the unregenerate heart, the heart that is far from God. It's saddened. You know, I watch these videos, and yes, there's a lot of which needs to be mocked and godly mockery, but a lot of it's honestly just heartbreaking to, to listen to, to people who are so broken and depraved in their mind that they're willing to, to fight and burn things and people down in order to make sure that children die in the womb, thousands every single day. It's disheartening. It's disheartening, and uh, it, it's difficult. It's difficult not because the topic is ethically ambiguous, but it's difficult because this is the, the depravity of man. And so abolitionists need to be serious about the gospel proclamation that we say we believe. And then this last video, President Biden calls MAGA people extreme. Check it out. Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. MAGA people are extreme, and here I thought tearing the limbs off of children was a legitimate definition of extreme. Boy, was I wrong. Look, the, re the fact is we are in a culture war. No one can discredit that observation. We are in a culture war, and that culture war is going to have to be fought. And the fighting we want to see obviously isn't with guns and knives and all the threats that we see from people on Twitter who are enraged by this abortion, uh, this, this opinion that will overturn Roe v. Wade and, and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. We don't want to fight them in terms of that. Certainly self-defense has its biblical place, but we are in a culture war. The church is being forced to be dislodged from its cushy life of social distancing itself from the cultural issues of the day. We can't do it anymore. We can't. We cannot expect God's law, God's righteousness to be pervasive in, in the town square if we're going to not engage. How is it that the gospel is going to go forth if the gospel isn't going forth? How is the church going to make disciples if the church isn't making disciples? We are living on the precipice of revolutionary fervor. I mean, the language from some of these people. I mean, remember, the, those who are controlling the narratives, they're the ones that says January 6th was an insurrection. Worst insurrection in history, mind you. And was it stupid that people went into the Capitol building? Absolutely. As soon as I saw it, I said, that's dumb. Bad move. Shouldn't do that. But here we have people who are talking about burning things. 
I think we've seen that before in some of the riots of 2020. Not only burning things, but apparently the one guy wants to burn people, old white men. This sort of violent rage is the fruit of unregeneracy. It's the fruit of Christians not being engaged in the public square like they should be. This battle of theonomy or autonomy isn't going to be solved by retreating into the four walls of our church. It's not going to be solved by us, you know, obfuscating the issues, by us just going along with whatever goes on. We need to be engaged. We need to be able to proclaim these truths and, and do it. Too many churches, too many pastors are hiding behind their pulpits. Too many churches are hiding in their pews. They're scared. Don't be scared. Trust. Take courage. Look at the judges and what they've done. Uh, again, not saying you have to go grab a knife and start stabbing people. That would be the wrong approach. <laughs> We're not calling for violence. We're calling for righteousness. We're calling for peace. We're frankly calling for the theon theonomic worldview, the gospel that brings these things to light. So now is the time, friends. Now is the time to fight for the truth of God's word in Christ's kingdom as he puts his enemies under his feet. This will be a developing story as we go, but just a reminder, you can go to the Abolish Abortion Virginia website. You can RSVP for the conference here in Northern Virginia. We'd love to see you, love to have you. And if you have any questions, you can certainly reach out. So thanks for watching this week, and thanks for listening to Cross and Crown Radio. We'll see you next time. The Lord bless you and keep you.